Hello, and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm here today to share with you a recording of a recent webinar conversation we had with electric vehicle owners here in Minnesota. At this event, we heard from Yuka Kukkonen of Shift to Electric, who gave the audience a quick overview of EV technology and advancements. And then we heard from five panelists who each shared a bit about their experiences as an EV owner and driver. They also take audience questions at the end. And with that, I will begin the recording. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome everyone. Thank you for being here at our webinar, EVs in Minnesota, you betcha. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications at Fresh Energy, which is a Minnesota-based clean energy nonprofit. And we are co-hosting today's event with Shift to Electric. So first, before we dive in, I wanna do a little bit of housekeeping. Number one, as I mentioned, you'll notice that we're recording and it's because we'll be posting one of these events to our YouTube and sharing it out after. Um, so if you, if you want someone else to see the conversation, you'll get a link. Uh, and then also we're going to have probably about a half hour, 20 minutes at the end dedicated to Q&A with our panelists and with Yuka. So please use the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen. Um, there is a chat box. You can use that too, but I can't promise I will see it. So try to use Q&A. You should be able to see each other's questions and upvote them. So be sure to thumbs up other questions you like, and they'll automatically kind of rise to the top of the list. All right, before we dive in, I want to extend a really big thank you to our promotional partners who helped spread the word about this event. Uh, we've got XL Energy, Minnesota Power, Austin Utilities, and Dakota Electric. So thank you to them. Uh, and now, before we get started with this event, I wanna talk about a few more events. Uh, one is Fresh Energy's Benefit Breakfast, where we'll be talking about how clean energy must be at the center of rebuilding our economy. And we will have nationally known speaker, Leah Stokes, very uh, worth going to uh, have breakfast with us apart. <laughs> uh, we've got some more uh, electric, uh, beneficial electrification related events coming up as well, including mowers, blowers, and chainsaws, where we'll be talking about electric yard care. Our guest is a woman who has probably cleared more trail than anyone in Minnesota with an electric chainsaw up on the North Shore. So she is going to be really fun to hear from. We also have a induction cooking webinar with Chef Matteo Macby of uh, Crew fame. So his restaurant in St. Joseph was recently written up in the New York Times. So he'll be with us for that event. Uh, Careers in the Green Recovery, one of Fresh Energy's board members, Eric Posse, has a new book out. So we'll be having an interview with him. And then finally, the last in our electric yard care kind of yard care series, Snowblower Exclusive, where we'll be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to snowblowers. And I should know because my snowblower is terrible. And with that, I want to thank our, our kind of co-host head uh, EV expert, Yuka Kukkonen. He is the chief education officer at Shift to Electric and he works with Fresh Energy as an EV consultant. We've also got an amazing number of panelists here. We've got Janice, Aaron, Polly, Raj, and Kyle. And they are going to give you the scoop on what it's like to be an EV owner here in Minnesota. And I think right now I'm going to launch a poll 
So you all should have a poll pushed to you right now. We're going to talk about a lot today, and all of you are in really different places, whether you own an EV or are thinking about owning an EV or you're thinking about thinking about owning an EV. So let us know kind of where you're coming from. Have you driven an electric car? Uh, choose one of those answers. And then what are you looking for for EV advantages? And that one's multiple choice. Uh, try to choose three, although all are really good answers. Um, so for today, Yuka is going to first give us a scoop on the EV market. He's going to talk a little bit about what is out there and some of the technology around charging. Uh, and then we're going to go on to the main event, which is our panelists. And they will each share for five to seven minutes uh, their personal experience with owning an EV in Minnesota. And then we'll open it up to a Q&A. And that is where you use the Q&A function to submit your questions. And I think that's enough for me. I'm going to end the polling. It looks like most of you have voted. I'm going to share the results. Looks like most of you haven't driven an electric car, which is pretty cool. And then people are really in interested in the environmental impact um, of owning an electric vehicle. So awesome. I think you're at the right webinar today. All right, Yuka, I think I'm done talking. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and we will turn it over to you. Thank you, Joe. And good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us today to talk about electric cars with this great panel of ours. Um, I will open this up with uh, talking a little bit about EV market and uh, charging and so forth, just to kind of uh, set the basics here. And then uh, our panelists will tell you more about their experiences. So I have a few slides I'll share, share with you uh, my slides here. So bear with me when I get this going. Uh, there, there's so many. There we go. All right. So now you now you should see my slide here, um, which is a picture of our uh, EV owners group um, or our web page. So our panelists today are Minnesota EV owners, and we have Minnesota EV owners group, which is a chapter of National Electric Auto Association. We started this group in 2012 and uh, it has grown to become one of the biggest and most active regional EV owners groups in the US. We have over 2000 members. So if you wanna talk more with our EV owners, just join the group. You don't have to own an EV uh, to be part of us. So, but uh, find us on Facebook and, and uh, we have also our events calendar on our webpage. So uh, usually in normal year, we would do ton of events like you can see the picture of where we just bring our cars and talk about our experiences with, with general public. But since this year, the situation is a little different, we are doing this virtually um, like the panel today that you're joining. I wanna start by talking a little bit about why EVs, what's hap what has happened in the market that really has made this technology available for us and, uh, and provided us an opportunity to get really a good results with EVs. First of all, the electric drivetrain technology is much better than internal combustion engine from energy efficiency standpoint. It's not shown here, but EVs, when you shift to driving electric, you drop 75% of your energy consumption overnight. So that's very meaningful. That's very impactful. So that's a, that's a one good reason to uh, start driving electric. But then for in last 10 years, the battery technology has really advanced fast. 
we our battery prices have dropped a lot so we are almost closing to 100 dollars per kilowatt hour price so you can see that its drop is almost tenfold from from uh, 2010 uh, and when we reach the 100 dollars per kilowatt hour analysts say that at that point evs are more affordable to produce than internal combustion engine vehicles comparable internal combustion engine vehicles so the pricing can be the same or less with it and we are really getting getting close to that right now already when you take the tax uh, credits available evs are cheaper to even to purchase than traditional internal combustion engine vehicles if you take a comparable comparison if you put this all same features that EVs have, the traditional internal combustion engine cars are already more expensive when you take the tax credits available uh, into account. So again, when you think about buying any car right now, even new or used, remember the old good old electric auto association mantra, no plug, no deal. So that's that's always always important for, for you to remember when you look into look into the cars. So battery tech is making sure that we will have affordable EVs coming right now. And then the other important thing for us is that our grid is getting cleaner all the time. So electric utilities are moving into renewable energy production. And here we have an example of Excel Energy's carbon emissions, um, how fast they have dropped in last uh, 10 years already, 15 years. And you can see that it still continues. And that comes from them closing their fossil fuel plants, especially the coal plants, and then moving into Excel Energy's case, mostly to wind and also some for solar. But our grid is getting cleaner all the time, every, all the time here. So if you're driving an electric car, your car is getting cleaner every day. So that's the other important thing here. If you talk about emissions, if you drive 12,000 miles a year with internal combustion engine vehicle, you produce about 11,000 pounds of CO2 emissions. If you do the same driving with an EV, you produce about 4,000 pounds of CO2 emissions. But if you look at this, the source of this one, this comes from 2014. So this is a six years old numbers. And I just showed you how fast the CO2 emissions have already dropped in our grid. So that means that the CO2 emissions aren't 4,000 anymore for electric cars, they are less already. There may be three, three and a half thousand or something like that. Who knows? But again, EVs get cleaner every day. And then, of course, if you power your driving with renewables, you're not producing any CO2 emissions. And that is really, really important. So electric air and transportation is coming. We have over 1.6 million electric vehicles on U.S. roads right now and over 14,000 EVs in Minnesota. And the cool thing about electric cars is that anyone who starts driving electric they say never going back. They just, when they get experience of electric cars, they just learn that it is car 2.0. It's just so much more fun car to drive. So that's the shift shift will start to happen here. Uh, but people are hesitant to try new things. So this will not happen over time. We, I mean, overnight. Uh, we've been driving internal combustion engine for the last hundred years and uh, so people need a little time to learn about it, but they're starting to hear from their friends, relatives and co-workers that, hey, you should go and test drive an electric car. And when they do, they're like, yeah, you're right. This is better car. And that's how the shift will start happening. 
So that's why we do this education, uh, provide good information for people. If you want to learn more about electric cars um, and get all the specs of those, visit evinfolist.com. We have almost 30 different models available in Minnesota. So just go to evinfolist.com and you can download this uh, table that we have that provides you all the information from pricing, range, uh, charging capabilities, and my favorite, of course, the zero to 60 miles per hour acceleration. That's what you use to choose your car. Rest of this uh, is just nice to know information. So that's, that's how the decision process goes. And as, if you look at those numbers, they are really, really good. Even on something like Chevy Bolt EV that doesn't necessarily look like a sports car, goes from zero to 16, six and a half seconds. So they are really fast and really fun to drive. So let's talk a little bit about charging. Um, first thing we usually get when we talk with general public about EVs, they ask, well, do we have enough public charging stations available so they can power their car? And I say, sure, we have quite a bit. We have over 900 plugs in Minnesota already, but the reality is that most of the charging happens at home. So home is the most important part. Um, based on the surveys that we've seen is at home, over 85% of the charging happens at home. If workplace charging is available, and if people go to offices, then they will use that uh, workplace charging that is available there. And then public charging, even though it's important, it's much smaller sliver of that charging pie overall. So home is where you where you should first think about your charging. And, and I'll next show a couple of uh, a little bit about what, how you can do the charging, and you'll hear more how our panelists then have actually done this at their homes. So how to charge an EV? Every car comes with this kind of level one charging cord um, that the other end for it is standardized that goes in the car is J1772 plug. Um, all the cars use this plug. In, uh, Tesla has a, just a little bit of different plug, but they have a small adapter. So every car can really use this, this same cord. And then the other end of it is just 120 outlet plug. So normal household outlet. So you can start driving electric as long as you have 120 outlet in your garage, you're good to go, um, works well. And I know people who have used just this cord set for years for all of their charging needs. Um, we are just limited by how much power we can pull out of that outlet. So if you drive less than 30 miles a day, this is a good option for you. If you drive more, then I would recommend installing level two charging station. So now we move into 240 volt, usually 40 amp um, charging setup. The one on the right there is a public charging station. And the one on the left is home charging station. And that one, the home charging station, they are just a box that you bolt in the wall, a few, uh, two, three screws uh, in there. Um, and then you run 240 volt line there, three wire installation, very simple installation. Any electrician can do that. And uh, those usually cost you five to $600. So they're not that expensive. And then the fastest way to charge an EV is a DC fast charging station. These are on the side of the road. If you drive long distances, you can find these. So um, usually people use these so that they drive two to three hours with the electric car and then they stop for 30 to 40 minutes and continue. That's, that's how you can expect to use DC fast charging now and in the future.
that's a picture of uh, public charging stations in Minnesota. So just to give you an idea, there starts to be quite many. The green ones are level two charging stations and the orange ones are DC fast charging stations. A number of those orange uh, pins there, the DC fast charging stations is increasing quite rapidly right now. There are many different entities that are installing charging infrastructure in. So I'm expecting those to double in next two years, especially in outstate Minnesota. So you can drive around without any, any challenges with those. And then some, incent, some words about the incentives. There's a federal tax credit that is available for EVs. It's up to $7,005. Um, it depends on how big the battery is in a car. And you can find all the information about that on that sheet from EV InfoList that I mentioned. It also shows how much of each car gets tax credit. There's also a federal tax credit for EV charging station installations this year. So if you install a level two charging station uh, at your home before the end of this year, you can get 30% of installation cost up to $1,000 back. If you're a commercial property and do installations, you can get up to $30,000 uh, back in your taxes. Then Minnesota De Department of Transportation has MinPass electric vehicle incentive pilot. And that's a one-time credit. So if you buy or lease new or used EV or plug-in hybrid, um, you can get this credit. It's $250 for battery electric vehicles, so full electric ones, and then it's $125 for plug-in hybrids. So that's a nice, nice incentive too. And then always talk with your utility companies. They, have, they might have more incentives, more charging programs and all of that. So uh, that's always, always a good thing to uh, start talking with them. And uh, you can find your utility company uh, programs by going to mncharging.org, which is a portal, provides links to all of the utility company EV websites. So that's about, that's from me, the opening here. So let's go to our panelists next. Let's start with Polly. And Yuka, I think it's good that there are other opinions here who maybe aren't buying a car based on their zero to 60 uh, acceleration speed. What? Really? <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to we're going to start with Polly. Uh, Polly, welcome. Thank you for being here and tell us a little bit about your EV. Oh, well, I'm really happy to be here. I um I'm driving, I was driving an older Honda CRV and my teenagers came to the age where they were old enough to drive and needed to drive it. And so our family was in the market for a replacement for that Honda CRV. And um, I, at the same time, started becoming really interested in renewable energy. And I came to see that um, renewable energy is really re where we need to focus for the future. And so there was this natural in, um, interest on my part on what it would be like to drive an electric vehicle. I thought, well, if I'm going to be talking about renewable energy, I should really know what it's like to drive an EV and what it's like to own one. And so um, that led me to it. And um, I went to YZ Nissan and I bought this 2017 Nissan Leaf. It's behind me. And that's what was on the lot. Um, they had one to choose from and, and I thought this is fine. It drove, I had test driven a couple of different cars at that point. I loved the way it drove. And so I bought it. Um, it came with a charging station, the level two um, charge point charging station with, it came as a promotion. 
And um, Wyzetta Nissan also gave me um, two years of free pickup on the side of the road if I were to run out of gas or run out of a charge. So that was a real consolation and set my mind at ease. I wanted to show you my um, home charging station, which is behind me on the wall there. And that's a level two. And what we've done, my husband and I, we put a track up on the ceiling. And so we're able to use this one charging station and move it between our two vehicles. My husband also drives um, an electric vehicle, which is the Pacifica hybrid plug-in. Um, so the 2017 Nissan Leaf, I um, get about 110 miles for a charge and it takes me about three hours to get a full charge. Um, I participate in Excel's wind source program. And so between that and the solar panels that I have on the south side of my house, I am running at about 80% renewable electric energy um, for my home needs, which includes my car needs. So that's a really fun, exhilarating um, concept when you're driving a car to know that you're generating this energy with power from the sun. And um, it's just super satisfying. Um, so what I like most about driving um, and owning my EV, besides the quiet and the, um, the pickup, the fun um, pickup of the car, is um, lowering my carbon footprint. I mean, um, for somebody who, whose heartstrings are pulled by renewable energy, this is just really satisfying for me. Um, like I said, I know it's the way of the future and it just, it feels like um, just a really independent, resilient way to own and operate a car. Fantastic, thank you so much, Polly. Uh, and with that, I think we are going to hear from Aaron who is uh, outside right now. Aaron, hello. hello. Yeah. Just, welcome, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I guess I, I'm Aaron Hurd. I live in Minnetonka and uh, we have a little bit of daylight left, but uh, so I'm outside in my car. Uh, this car is a 2019 Hyundai Ionic plug-in hybrid. It has the, the limited package, which adds some of the safety features like uh, lane keep assist, front collision avoidance, and um, has some of the creature comforts like uh, leather uh, seats, electronic seat adjustments. Um, a little bit about me in the context that I come to an electric car in. I am a single person household. I live in an apartment complex without access to uh, charging infrastructure. I do use my car as my primary mode of transportation. And the, the things that I value in a car, uh, interestingly, zero to 60 time is not on this list, uh, Yuka, so I, I must have missed that. Um, but sufficient headroom, I'm very tall, uh, reliability and value, fuel economy, and having a reasonable set of creature comforts. And let me tell you, after years of dealing with Toyota Entune, uh, having Android Auto is a godsend. Um, generally, I'll drive my cars forever. I have uh, gone through two Priuses that lasted over 160,000 miles. I sold both of them to Geico. Uh, neither of those were my fault. Um, but uh, so why, why, this, uh, why this car? Why the Ionic? Earlier this year in January, I was in the need, I had a need for a new car. And um, since I had a Gen 2 Silver Prius and a Gen 3 Silver Prius, the Gen 4 Silver Prius was the natural option, but I decided to look around and see what was out there. And the Ionic really seemed to be the better value for me. Um, it matched the Prius in terms of expected quality and reliability. 
but it beat the Prius on price. Um, the lane following worked really well when I test drove one and um, I like the styling. So why did I choose a plug-in hybrid instead of the um, instead of the regular hybrid model? And you could mention this, this, uh, this particular model comes with a $4,500 tax credit and that actually made the the after-tax credit price of the plug-in hybrid lower than the regular hybrid car. Um, and I like the idea of having a car that if I moved to some place that had EV charging infrastructure, I could start running most of the miles that I drive off of the electric grid. Um, you don't see a lot of these cars in Minnesota because the plug-in hybrid and the electric Ionic are generally sold on the coasts. So when I went to purchase this car, I actually started at a local dealer, which will, will remain nameless. Um, and I was uh, unimpressed with their knowledge about this car in general. I was told that they couldn't order one to Minnesota, which I think is inaccurate. So, um, but. Long story short, I decided to go online and I ended up buying this car from a dealership in Washington, DC. And my intent was to purchase it, purchase it remotely and have it shipped to Minnesota. But after four rounds of paperwork that were filled out incorrectly by the dealership, I ended up just flying out there and road tripping back with this car through two snowstorms. Um, so that, that was a kind of a fun start to my, my relationship with this car. Um, how do I use it? I use it mostly for running around town, um, commuting, running errands, uh, visiting friends. I do have family in Iowa and in a normal year, I'm going to Des Moines or Northwest Iowa about once every two months. And both of those are about 500 mile round trips. Um, and uh, generally, I, given my usage patterns, I end up driving about 1400 miles before I have to fill up the tank. Um, so living in an apartment without uh, EV charging infrastructure, how do I charge this thing? Well, um, I there is a single 110 outlet in the parking garage of my building, and it is right in front of my landlord's parking space. So I actually have an arrangement with my landlord whereby I can park my car overnight in her space as long as I have it out by 7.30 the following morning. Um, and that works pretty well. And because it's a plug-in hybrid, if for some reason I can't make removing the car by 7.30 work, uh, it just runs on gas the next day. And uh, that works fine for me. Um, Yuka mentioned the public transit, you know, public uh, charging infrastructure. I use that occasionally um, if I'm at a place that has it, but that's not a primary way that I charge my car. Usually I'm just there for know a few for a half an hour for a top off um and it's something that i do optionally uh, what i like most about this car is that it is a solid well-built car it has the features that i want um it really was a solid value if you look at the the price of this car for what you get um, i think it's one of the best values as uh as a plug-in hybrid and as an e as as an EV. And um, having the plug-in hybrid allows me to access most of the benefits of having an electric car without locking myself into needing um, charging infrastructure where I live. So um, I guess kind of you know, riffing off of some stuff that was said earlier, you know, if you're looking for the you know, accessing the environmental impact of having an electric vehicle, but are worried about uh, about charging infrastructure. Maybe you live in an apartment. Maybe you are 
you know, you road trip often and don't want to worry about finding charging on the road, um, consider a plug-in hybrid. Most of your most of your driving during the week is probably not going to be much more than the range of uh, a lot of the plug-in hybrids out there. And uh, I think they're a good option for a lot of people for whom um, EVs would otherwise not be an option. So I think I'll leave it at that and we can continue on with the rest of the panel and take questions in a little bit. Awesome, thank you so much, Aaron. Um, one question, and I usually don't ask questions uh, midstream here, but I'm going to. Uh, someone, uh, Lawrence writes that he missed it. What is the all electric range of your car specifically? The electric range of my car is 27 miles. Um, I find that is generally pretty accurate with the way that I drive. And um, I get the full EV range by charging about six hours on a level one charger. Brilliant, thank you. Uh, and with that, I'm going to move on to Janice. Janice, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I'm gonna let you dive in and talk a little bit about your EV. All right, thanks, Joe. Um, hello to everyone. My name is Janice Swatts. Uh, I actually also work at Fresh Energy, so it's really fun for me to be able to talk about, uh, amongst many things, how I get to blend my like work uh, and uh, with my home life, work life with my home life. Um, and so I have a 2012 Nissan Leaf. It is a used prior uh, prior owned and used vehicle. Um, and uh, my partner and I uh, got it uh, a year ago. We just had like a birthday <laughs> for the Leaf uh, back in August, uh, where I was on one of these panels. So it was like, that was really fun. It was a good way to celebrate our one year anniversary with the Leaf. Uh, and we were, we were looking for another car. We used to have just a, um, a small pickup truck. We used to have a Toyota Tacoma um, and it's a little two-seater, a little two-door pickup truck and, you know, got us around fine. But we were, uh, when we moved into our new house, we were definitely like, oh, I think maybe we could, we could use an, a bigger car, you know, for family and friends and, and whatnot getting around town. And, uh, and so we were really strongly considering getting an electric vehicle. Um, so to blend a little bit of the work and home life, working at Fresh Energy, I've worked in environmental justice and energy and climate uh, my whole uh, career. <laughs> and so when I'm at Fresh Energy, I get to talk about the importance for people, all people to have access to renewable energy and, and, and all the different ways that that uh, takes place. And so transportation is a huge piece of that. Uh, and so, being able to match my values with a car purchase was just icing on the cake. And, and certainly being able to talk with uh, colleagues like Yuka, <laughs> being able to talk about uh, the benefits of uh, potentially uh, owning an electric vehicle um, was just um, all the things that I needed to uh, be confident that this would be a right purchase for us. And so, but of course the, the financial aspect was the biggest barrier. And so we did go for a used vehicle um, and we had been looking and searching, you know, from, uh, you know, really like the car dealers, but we're really not car dealer people. We really kind of just <laughs> uh, use Craigslist as our form of buying, uh, purchasing a vehicle. And yes, it is a virtual background. So sorry if it's a little distracting if I'm moving around, <laughs> but this is a real picture of my leaf in the garage. I just didn't want to be outside and be cold. So that's why it's my virtual background. Uh, but we were looking uh, at Craigslist. Uh, my partner 
fortunately for us, is a really expert, <laughs> is a major expert at researching things on Craigslist and finding things. And he managed to find this posting of a of a seller, uh, of course, selling their Nissan Leaf. And uh, the way that they had meticulous record of the vehicle, um, it was very clean. Uh, and, and, and you could tell that from the posting and certainly when we called to um, set up uh, a showing and all that. Um, and so when we got out there, something that was really cool that was just like an immediate like, oh, this feels really good. Like this is starting to feel right is that the uh, previous owner had this beautiful, gigantic solar array on their property which was incredible. Uh, so they're down in like uh, Southern Minnesota, I think Welsh it was, Welsh Minnesota. And so driving up at this like beautiful property with this solar array, I was like, oh, wow, I think we're going to get along great. So we can talk all about renewable energy and the fact that they're just like a real enthusiast about electric uh, vehicles and, and clean and electric transportation. And we ended up being out there for like four hours test driving the car but really just like talking with this with the seller with the previous owner about the importance of uh trying to shift to electric vehicles and electric transportation and so that just really felt right in uh for my partner and i and i in our like spirit with buying a used car and so we were really fortunate to like have that experience with buying a used vehicle on Craigslist, which I know is like doesn't might might sound a little iffy to some folks, uh, but uh, we got like I said, we were really fortunate for finding just the right. It was just kind of like the right matchup, um, and so yeah, so we've had early for a year now, uh, and it's been really fun because uh, it's definitely the first electric vehicle like in the family, <laughs> and so being able to. Uh, drive around uh, the nieces and nephews, uh, lots of nieces and nephews, but a couple of teenagers and they find the leaf to be super cool. So that's super fun <laughs> driving them around in it. And, you know, they ask a lot of questions and of course they're learning to drive right now. So they're like, oh, what, like, can I t test drive the leaf? And we're like, hmm, this is a whole nother skill of <laughs> driving. Well, you know, not really, but like being able to uh, anticipate the, um, the mileage and how you drive the vehicle um, it really does uh, make a difference about with your um, with the battery range and so uh, I think it is kind of like another layer to uh, how you learn how to drive but I but I hope that it's something that all people can start to to learn and to to experience because uh, having access to an electric vehicle is the way we have to go. I think Polly said it, like it's the way of the future, right? We all need to shift to electric transportation as much and as fast as we can. Uh, and so having the option of a used vehicle is really awesome. And it's been a great first year with it. And I'll have, I'll have to say um, that just a couple of days ago, we were uh, driving the, the niece and nephew home <laughs> to their home in South Minneapolis. And uh, it was it was the first you know we didn't start out the the journey with a full battery or anything like quite quite not and um, Alan and I are looking at each other like um I think we might push this trip is gonna push it so we did make it home with uh, nine miles on our range and that was the first time that we got the beeps but it was the very first time that we had gotten it all the way down to getting the warning <laughs> the beeping warning sign and we actually kind of thought well like we we're like oh I, this, we're, we feel confident enough to like test this uh, range even though like at some point you start you start thinking oh, I'm like, I'm 
I'm getting a tiny bit anxious. But like I said, we and we started that like journey from really East St. Paul uh, and then wrapped around through South, South Minneapolis and then back home. Uh, and we probably started that out with like five bets battery bars and then it got home with one <laughs> so it was uh we, we knew we'd be, pu we'd be pushing it but at the same time still felt really confident and still felt fine about being able to take that trip and and it is a smooth awesome ride so that's the other thing too is that I love the electric or the heated seats and the heated steering wheel and it's a smooth ride and I love being able to blast the my phone like Spotify in it with the Bluetooth and everything. So it's just like, it's just a fun car. And, and but being able to um, kind of have those different experiences with it and really get to know it has been, uh, been really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Janice. Uh, Kyle, if you are ready, we will move on to you and hear a little bit about your story. Did I unmute? Everybody? Yep, we hear you. Thank you. Hi guys, I, I uh, had to, I didn't come with notes when I entered the room, but I've been taking notes, uh, just trying to see some input with the chat and everything. It's hard to answer everyone's questions. Uh, but I wanted to start out with the, the poll that you guys took. It looked like half of you guys are not in an EV now and you guys got to get on it. <laughs> um, I, my, I'm, let's start back when I, before I even met Yuka. I've been with uh, a member with the group since 2013. Um, if you remember then, I had, uh, the gas prices were about 425 to 450 a gallon at 2012, 2013. And I drove a one ton dually pickup with 500 horse and uh, 15,000 pounds of pulling power. And it was costing me about $160 a week to drive out in North Dakota where I was commuting at the time. And when I was adding it up, I was like, I could afford a Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, I didn't end up buying a Lamborghini. I ended up buying a 2013 Chevy Volt. That's about when we had three EV choices. It was Tesla, Leaf, and the Volt. Um, I went with that because I couldn't afford a Tesla. <laughs> uh, so fast forward, eight years, I now own a Bolt, a Bolt, and I have a Leaf that you can't see right now. And um, uh, things have changed quite a bit from charging to, to um, the range on these cars and everything. Um, I wanted to touch on, you know, the charging. Everyone's, that's always the first question new people ask me, but how do you charge it? Is it gonna make your electric bill go way up? No, it does not. If you if you break it down, basically, I figured it out one day. Yuka could back me up, and especially if you're on a an off peak uh, meter, it's basically a little over a dollar to go a hundred miles, a dollar dollar fifty range to drive one hundred miles in this car right here, the Bolt. Um, so as far as affordability, I'm a, a do-it-yourselfer. I have four charge stations in this garage that are 220 volt. I got a Clipper Creek to your, you can see it off to your, uh, um, I don't know if that's the right or left. I've got the uh, Bosch Power Max. And on the other side, you can't see it, but I have a, a juice box, uh, 40 amp. Um, and a, a fourth plug that 
someday I'm on the uh, order list for the Cybertruck that was going to be here in two or three years. Uh, but I have that coming in the future. Um, about, you could mention this the last time I had a meeting is what I do with these cars or why do I have so many? I, I do run Uber. This Bolt here, which is pretty new car, I bought it right before winter hit in 2017, has 115,223 miles in just less than three years. I drive Uber with that. Uh, this is my wife's car. Uh, and then the Leaf I just picked up used about six months ago, but I Turo, which is a, a rental car program where you can borrow people's, it's kind of a car sharing program. So I got those three on there. The, um, the Cybertruck will be on there once, um, once I take delivery of that. But I've found uh, just different ways of using your EVs that A, don't pollute, and B, do, do not cost anything. Um, you know, the maintenance is so, so low. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there is none, <laughs> really. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to mention about, not the Volt so much because this has the gas motor. Uh, if you keep it plugged in, you, you know, it's got 60 mile range. This one had, had about over about 250, 260 the first six months I bought it. And it's uh, supposed to go 238. It's really about your driving habits if you drive fast or slow. Uh, and so with the time that I've had it these three years and with that high of mileage, I'm still getting about 210 right now. So it has lost a little bit of its range and, and I do drive kind of crazy. Um, so the faster you drive these cars, the less range you do have. You have to keep that in mind when you're purchasing one. Um, and I call, you know, like the Volt that runs on gas. This is our second one. Uh, I, I call them a starter car. They're great to get your experience of charging. Um, now, when you get eight years of it, I, I bring that car down to five miles all the time. Like people freak out when I say that, but literally just yesterday I pulled in the garage and it had five miles of range left. Um, you know, and I don't Uber anymore since the pandemic, um, but I'm on a charge plan where I pay $30 a month and I get un basically unlimited uh, charging. You get free half hour and I have unplugged and plugged back in for, uh, you know, the last 20 minutes of my charge before. Um, so that's something you can look into if you want to just have a, a, a flat fee of $30 a month and get all your charging needs done at a fast charger. Um, this bolt has been almost every time it's been fast charged. So I hear a lot of people saying, doesn't fast charging ruin your battery? Like I said, I have lost about 20 miles of range in three years with 115,000 miles. And this car has been fast charged. On average, I put 500 miles a night when I Uber. Uh, and that's two to three fast charges in a 12 hour period. And that's a lot of time, like every day. <laughs> so as far as it hurting your car, it's, it's, you're not really hurting your car. Um, uh, I don't know what else to touch on. Uh, you know, it's hard to not answer questions, but uh, I have uh, one other little thing that I, I think it's supposed to rain this Saturday, but um, I do have two gas powered vehicles and it is a motorcycle that I wish I could drive it more, but um, 
and a slingshot, but I am going to the Harley dealer this weekend to check out the new Livewire. So that's an electric motorcycle with like 130 miles of range and a zero to 60 time of 2.9, which should beat the dual motor Tesla Model 3. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if it's raining, I won't get to do that. But uh, that's about it for me. My whole family, my mom, I uh, talked her into the Cadillac ELR, which is a kind of a Volt platform, um, but she loves her car. It runs on gas after 40 miles. So the range, let me go over this again. This is 238 for the Bolt. This Bolt with a V uh, has 55 miles of range and the Nissan Leaf, which is actually on a Turo right now for the next 30 days, it's gone. Um, that one has 80, 80 miles um, of range. So you're, this, this car, I don't remember the last time we put gas in the Bolt because her work is only 10 miles away. So. Uh, she can pretty much make it there and back and go shopping without ever having her gas motor turn on. Uh, that's about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kyle. And now we are going to move on to Raj. Hi, Raj. Welcome. Hey, thank Hi. you, Joe. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your EV. Yeah, so uh, I, I couldn't get my green screen to work, so I'm going to share this uh, our electric garage and I'll just walk you guys through this and as I walk I walk through this I'll tell you my uh, electric experience plug-in experience that started back in 2012 so I actually have a garage that um, has hold on a sec sorry it has a panel right right in the garage so it was very easy for me to just add a sub panel move some of the circuits over so i could it's a three car a suburban garage and i basically put in three 60 amp breakers and three 50 amp circuits with the 1450 outlets and i also have a regular 110 why why do they have the regular 110 my first plug-in experience was the first model year of the plug-in prius 2012 it wasn't sold in minnesota so i actually went to ithaca new york to buy it and for a year i actually lived in an apartment where i couldn't plug it in so i actually drove it as a regular hybrid and then the first time when we finally bought a house and we moved in and i plugged it in I felt like I was one of the Jetsons, you know, here I am. I got on the highway, I'm up to 70 miles an hour and it was still in electric mode. It only has 11 miles range, but it's a level one, level one charger, that uh, the portable charger that came with the car. And then I moved on to the Mercedes-Benz uh, electric, which is, the, which is also not sold in Minnesota. But I went to California, my wife and I went on an EV shopping trip and bought it at the end of the year. So we gotten, they knocked off 10 grand off the sticker price and we had the $7,500 tax credit. It's an amazing car. It's basically a Mercedes inside out uh, and it's a Tesla motor in there. So it's basically Tesla under the hood because I still had two kids in college. I couldn't afford the real Tesla. It is, it has uh, on the best day in April when it's 70 degrees, I got 120 miles out of this car. In winter, of course, it goes down. Uh, I'm sorry. 
I, I lost that. Uh, it goes down, now it goes down to about 75 miles in the coldest day in the winter. But um, I basically have a, a dedicated charger uh, that comes out, uh, that is networked, a juice box that comes off peak. I have Dakota Electric. I pay 4.4 cents a kilowatt hour. So I've changed, saved a fortune on fuel costs, 12, 13,000 miles over $1,000 a year, almost $1,500 a year in fuel cost savings. I also have a backup charger during the day if we want to top up. One of my outlets, uh, 50 amp outlets is on 24 hours a day. Of course, if I plug in with that, I pay 12 cents a kilowatt hour. So I very rarely do that. So I relied a lot in the winter in particular, I relied on charge point and the uh, public chargers and uh, go to Byerly's, the grocery stores, whatever to top up, particularly if I drove to St. Paul and to Minneapolis and came back home to where I live in the southern suburbs. Of course, in 2018, I was lucky enough. I was one of the people who stood in line in March of 2017 to put a deposit down on a Model 3. And I got my Model 3 uh, white seat. So I had to wait for almost a year. And uh, my wife said, we can get this as long as we get white seats. So we waited for it and uh, it has just been awesome. So I got the extended range and even the Mercedes, it's actually what they call the range extender. So it gives, that's why I was able to get about 120 miles. Um, and the, the dual motor extended range model three, uh, but the range anxiety piece, it's all relative, right? I've had range anxiety occasionally with the Mercedes because it is a commuter car, it's perfect. You know, 120, 110 miles, 100 to 120 miles in the summer is 70 to 90 miles in the winter. We're perfectly fine for most commutes, right? And in fact, one of my kids drives the plug-in Prius and she drives it almost all electric. So <laughs> you know, all these three cars are pretty much running in all electric modes, except that the Model 3, I can take it out of town. But taking it out of town, even there, if you're not in a supercharging network, I drive for work to North Central Iowa and there was once when I had to come back, I had to I charge in Rochester, Minnesota. And when I came back, I actually had trouble and uh, I had to drive at 45 miles an hour on the shoulder to get back to Rochester to plug into the supercharger. So it's all relative in terms of range anxiety. You have to plan, you have to plan your life. And ultimately we are so excited about electrics that we actually completely went electric in our garage, all our yard equipment. We got the Ego uh, seven, two seven and a half uh, amp hour batteries that we share with the lawnmower, snowblower, a leaf blower and practically every every uh, yard tool that you can imagine, and uh, pretty much we're done. It's all it's all electric, no gas in our garage. Right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Raj. Uh, so, what do you do when your uh, muddy dog hops in your in your Tesla? Hey, we don't have a muddy dog. <laughs> we we our kids are grown up and we don't have a pet, so that's why we're lucky. <laughs> Perfect. Well. Gosh, I think we're ready to move into Q&A, unless you could. Do you have any anything to add here before we start one, doing Q&A? Yeah, one perspective I want to add here is, is, first of all, we've been talking with many of these Steve's vehicles, and, and when you hear about the driving range and so forth, um, Kyle and, and Janice have both mentioned the Leafs having less than 100 miles of range, and that's, remember, that's 2012, 2013 mm -hmm. vehicles. That's seven, eight years old technology. Yep. Nowadays... All the new cars have, I mean, the shortest range would be right now, Nissan Leaf basically has 150 miles of range. That's the base, the shortest range EV that you can buy. And 
majority, I mean, average EV purchase last year had all, over 250 miles of range. So the range is not the same kind of issue that it used to be. At the same time, of course, if you buy a used one, which you can get a really good deals on, uh, like Janice did, gave, gave a good example, or like we got one for, for my daughter there uh, that is behind me there. I paid $7,500 for that one last year. And it has all those creature comforts and all the bells and whistles. Uh, that one has only 75 miles of range, but that's fine for that use. Uh, but if you get a new one, all of them have longer range. So it's not the same kind of challenge that it used to be years ago. Um, it's, it's much less nowadays. Perfect. Thank you, Yuka. Uh, and we have so many questions. I'm really excited to dig into these. Um, so first, I think I'm going to start with cold weather. Uh, Raisa asks, would someone be able to talk generally about performance in cold weather? For example, I assume there aren't issues with starting like there would be with a combustion engine, uh, but do the battery ranges suffer if I park outdoors. Does anyone have, uh, does anyone here park outdoors or have experience parking outdoors that could answer this question? Oh, well, I park I, outside well, all the time, but. Yeah, I used, to, I used to park outside all the time. Now we have nice new garage or five years old garage, but newer. Uh, when we had our old garage, it, has just, it was just one car garage and it was so full of bicycles and construction material there was no way we could park inside there so we had our cars outside so i've had my electric cars for outside for three years and uh, didn't have any issues with it we just blocked it out in outside worked just great no no problems with that of course it's best if you can leave it plugged in so then for example when you preheat your car because you can set, set this so that when you come to your car, the car is waiting for you. Interior is hot, your seat is hot, and even your steering wheel is hot. Then if it's plugged in, it uses the uh, energy from the grid. So that's the best option. Also, if it gets really, really cold, these systems have an active battery thermal management system where it heats up the batteries too. And again, if it's plugged in, it uses the grid power. So as long as you can plug it in, no issues with, with having it outside. Yeah, and I'll just add to what Yuka said. It's not just about heating the cabin, right? When you're parked in the garage, if you also can preheat the battery, that uh, that really helps in terms of your range. So uh, definitely, if you're even whether you're buying a new or a used car, of course, all most of the new ones there's thermal management system for the battery. But if you're buying an old one, make sure you have one with the thermal management system if it is short range, so that you can preheat the battery before you get out on the road. Perfect. Well, let's keep on talking about charging. So I've got a question from Ben asking how long an EV is okay to be left alone unplugged. And Ben is using as an example, airport long-term parking. Would he still have the range to get home? Does anyone have any experience with uh, I, Kyle? Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, it depends how long and how cold it is really. So like the Bolt, uh, I don't know what temperature, but it, it starts heating its own battery if it's unplugged. Um, everyone's got a different story for that, but I've seen uh, loss of three to four miles a day. And if it's minus 30, I would guess it's gonna lose about eight a day. Um, so if you got a, a range of two, 200 when you pull in, in every vehicle is different, but like for mine, if I had 200, drove to the airport at 200, 210 left, I bet you it'd be 180, uh, 
160 if it's like zero degrees out for a week. So it does take away, and, the, and there is a certain point, I believe it just stops heating its own battery. And, and why it does that, um, minus 32 degrees below zero is damaging to um, lithium ion batteries, uh, just as 90 degrees and up are also. <laughs> um, but a battery likes cold weather, believe it or not. The Mars Rover, where it's minus 200, uh, has works on the works in those climates but but it, it also uses its own energy to make sure it doesn't damage the batteries but that's my best thing if you had an 80 mile leaf and you parked it in minus 30 degree weather you might you might be stranded <laughs> it's always best to keep them plugged in all right in, thank you in, in, yeah and in summertime if you we've lived uh, used our left our um, older leaves uh, in our garage in the summertime for weeks when we've been in Europe and hardly any drop on the on the rain. So it's, it's not, not really a big issue in that way. Well, speaking of charging, uh, Jerry has a question. You each have unique charging situations at home. Everyone's doing something a little different. Uh, are you satisfied with your current setup or do you feel like you want more? And I know like you're all at kind of different phases and levels, but has anyone thought about changing or maybe if you upgraded, you feel like you didn't need to? Um, let's start with Polly. I know that you've got that cool sliding system. So do you want to talk a little bit about if, if that's working for you? That works out really well um, for me and my husband. You know, generally what happens is you come home and you just plug it in. Um, especially as you're getting used to driving and getting used to your range and getting comfortable with that. What I did as a new owner is I just plugged it in every time when I came home. And then as I became comfortable with it, I would just learn to plug it, look at it before I went in the door. Um, we have this overhead track so that we're able to use the one charging station for both vehicles. And um, the other thing is when I was a new driver is a few times I ended up at work with, with a shortage of mileage, wondering do I have enough to get back home? And I just used the 110 um, plug-in connector that the car, every car comes with. And my experience on that is I got about, I get about four uh, miles to the hour of charge. So that was enough during a regular work day. Uh, my commute was shorter, about 10 miles. And so that was plenty for me to get back home. Awesome, thank you. And I think Janice, would you talk a little bit about your experience? I think you had some work done with an electrician in your garage, I think if before the pandemic really started, right? Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, so we did upgrade uh, the panel in our garage to be able to accommodate a level two uh, charger. Um, and so, uh, yeah, um, by Yuka's and another colleague of ours at Fresh Energy's recommendation, um, electrician came out and uh, hooked that up for us. And and so, we, so we have that. But the thing is, if we're still we're still in the market for that level two charger, so we still have our level one plug in that the car that comes with the car, like Polly just said. Um, but uh, we but we're looking for that level two. And yes, and this did happen right before the pandemic. And so uh, we um, yeah, it's kind of 
been a little stalled to get that level too. So if anybody knows of some, I think Kyle, you've got quite a few of them in your garage. Um, uh, we are, we're, we're still looking and we'd like, cause we'd like to be able to complete that. So, um, because we're definitely like, you know, the next car purchase we get will definitely be another EV. We'd love to be able to uh, upgrade uh, to a newer model so that our range is a little bit better. Yeah, sitting with the with the 2012, but um, yeah, we'd love to be able to accommodate having more than one charger in here like Folly has, which is pretty cool. Excellent. So keeping on this kind of uh, charging conversation, uh, Ben says he travels for work by car and most hotels don't offer EV plugs. Uh, is there anything that we can do to help hotels get up to speed uh, and get with it? Does anyone have experience leaving a, a heated review or working with a hotel to let them know that this is a, a need? Anybody? I used to travel a lot with my Volt and you can drive around the building. I've almost always been able to plug in just with my 110 charger, like in Fargo, North Dakota was awful. They had one at a uh, mall across the street from my hotel that a Tesla always uh, hogged. <laughs> he parked overnight all the time. But I, I didn't really worry about that. But, um, you know, every hotel is different. And actually the guys that got my leaf right now, with which is at a Wyndham in Eden Prairie, uh, found a, a, a thing on the side of the hotel, you can ask the front desk. At this point, I, I don't even ask anymore, which might be rude, but it, it's kind of like, I've never been turned down and, and they usually like guests, but most Hiltons always have Tesla and a level two at their location. And I see more and more hotels. If I travel, I go to plugshare.com, plugshare.com will show you every charge station in the United States and the world. Uh, and I usually stay at a hotel that has charging and that benefits them. Uh, so that's the best avenue to approach uh, as, a, as charging gets bigger. I, I see I can go all the way to my land in Spearfish, South Dakota on the map that they just showed and because I haven't looked at it in a while. And I, if you saw my face, I was like, because that did not exist last year. I mean, I can make it past Spearfish, South Dakota, but I've never been able to take the bolt there because it would take a couple of days with level one charging. <laughs> so I'm glad to see that. <laughs> well, and since we're talking about travel, uh, Lydia says we have a plug in 2014 Prius looking to upgrade to something that has more range. We travel about six weeks a year when we can and are conflicted about a plug in hybrid versus full electric. And Aaron, you have a PHEV, right? Would you? Yeah, um, and the as far as range, the Ionic gets about 600 miles um, combined gas and electric range, and then 27 miles of that is going to be electric. So really, if you are looking at a plug-in hybrid, you're looking at using the gasoline range for when you're on the road, when you're taking the road trips. But I found that the 27 miles is sufficient for me for probably about 90 to 95% of my day-to-day -day commuting. Perfect. Okay, does anyone else? Uh, well, and you do some traveling to Iowa, right? You said with that? Yep, and okay. um, that's about uh, 500 miles round trip. So I can actually I can actually fill up my car with gas in Minneapolis and get to Des Moines, drive around in Des Moines, and come back without having to fill up my car. Um, and the nice thing about uh, I mean 
the nice thing about the the plug-in hybrid is that since you're expecting to use the gas range, I actually, when I'm visiting my mother, she has a 110 outlet in her garage. I can plug it in overnight and I can actually get all of my driving within Des Moines done on electric while I'm down there. So it's really the only the highway miles that I'm using gasoline on. Perfect. Uh, any other one uh, take road trips with their uh, vehicle? Kaya? I was, I was going to chime in about if, if some of you new people don't know about Tesla's new pickup coming out. The range, this is pure electric, the range is over 500 miles on their, their top tier model. So that's that's gonna be amazing. Over 500 miles on one single charge. Uh, we'll see it when it comes out, but they're usually what they say, they, they overachieve. <laughs> and that's a pickup truck, you said, Kyle? Cause uh, we, we yeah. just sold our little Toyota Tacoma <laughs> like last month and uh, love having a little truck to drive around because you can haul stuff. And so I'm always interested in electric trucks, <laughs> pickup trucks, that's great. Right now, if we talk about the um, uh, long distance trips with different cars, uh, Tesla is probably the most, I mean, it's clearly the most convenient because they have their own supercharging network that has a really good coverage. So if you want to drive to California, drive to Miami, you can do that. That's not an issue with Tesla. You just put the navigation and say, hey, could you, I mean, uh, navigate to Miami. It calculates you the whole route tells you exactly where are the supercharging stations that it recommends you to stop at, how, when do you arrive there, and how many minutes you should stay there. So it does a lot of, a lot of work for you in that way, it provides you really good, good experience. And, and we already drove uh, Tesla Model S to California in 2014. That's six years ago. And boy, has the, has the systems gotten so much better already after that and other manufacturers are really following the suit so so we have much more options in, in long distance driving right now i would say for long distance trips tesla is leading the pack um others are seeing more and more charging infrastructure going in in dc fast charging and having better dc fast charging power levels and also uh longer range so that'll help everybody and I, I think just kind of riffing on the the road trip and long distance travel, most people don't don't take frequent long distance road trips. And even if you have a Nissan Leaf, you can rent a car for two weeks mm -hmm. to go on that road trip. Um, and your Nissan Leaf is going to handle ninety eight percent of your commuting. Um, and I know that uh, yeah, you, so you you should not you should not think I can't have an EV because of this one this one or two trips that I have to take each year. Yeah, and, and I'll also say, uh, while, while I've loved using the supercharger and uh, we've, there's one complaint that says, it charges so fast you can't even finish your cup of coffee. But uh, I have actually driven the Model 3 up north uh, to where we've stayed in cabins and uh, no superchargers. So I just uh, carry an extension cord with me, plug it into the 20 amp outlet in the kitchen in the from the cabin, run the cord all the way to the front porch and plug it into the car. And uh, literally uh, you stay there for two or three days and the car is fully charged up. Even, even if you completely got it down to 20 or 30 miles, uh, you get the 280 miles back uh, with, with the 110, 12 amp charging. That's great. I love picturing uh, an extension cord running out of the kitchen window, uh, but it works. That's what's important. I've done uh, it many times. 
proven, a proven solution. Um, so Mary says uh, she purchased an electric vehicle in March and loves it. And she has been using a self-created spreadsheet to monitor mileage, energy consumption, and costs. As we head into the cooler months, she says she's really curious to see the mm -hmm. impact on range. Um, but she's wondering if any of you have tips or products or apps that you like to use to track these things. Um, like I said, she, she kind of created it on her own. So she's wondering what other folks are using. Does anyone here track that detail? I, the, the, the green lots app, um, you know, I just real, I was going to look it up for this meeting and green lots changed their app, but it told me how much carbon I was saving in the environment and how many kilowatts I've used since I started. And it was phenomenal. I, I, I forget the number megawatts after the mile, but, but, um, that's all I do. And, and, you know, just use my meter and try to keep it at 3.8 or greater. <laughs> Perfect. Yuka, I can't believe this isn't something you track. No, I, I don't. Um, I'm, I, I like data, but I, there's also limits how much data I want to handle. And um, so I just, when it comes to charging and driving, I just say that just charge it like you stole it. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, driving the same way, um, that's, that's the easiest way to do so. I love that. that. Okay. Um, so I've got more charging questions uh, that I'm going to come up to here. So Sally says, I live in a multifamily unit and there is only one level two plug in our garage and it's not near my parking spot. So they would need a charging station somewhere to charge an EV. Is that something you need to do daily? I suppose it depends on the EV, right? Well, it depends on how you drive your car. Uh, that's what it what it has to do is is how far how much do you drive daily uh, first of all of course how how big of a battery you have what's your range and then how much you drive daily that's that's the thing I would definitely recommend talking with with uh, if it's an apartment building to the management company or the owner of the apartment building um, if it's a um, condominium then talking with the with the homeowner association to figure out how to get charging your structure and get the utility company involved Utility companies are really interested in helping their uh, customers to figure out how to get charging into whatever setup you have, whether it's a single family home or multi-unit dwelling, uh, apartment building, uh, condominium, anything, they are happy to help. So they usually are very good at assisting in a process, especially with the multi-unit dwellings when there's a multiple stakeholders and the charging setups can be a little bit more complicated um, then having utility company involved usually helps in that process. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so I've got a question from Lawrence. Please comment on traveling with a level two charger with NEMA 14 to 50 plug. Did I say that right? Uh, for use at RV parks. Sure helped us on a recent camping trip. And I know on, on our past calls, we've talked about how RV parks can be your friend for charging. Does anyone have experience with that or want to tackle Lawrence's question? Russ, I, 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 I assume you've used your charging stations outside of your home too when you have a NEMA 1450 outlet plug there. Have you? I, I've not carried my uh, for, uh, level two chargers with me. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. All the level two have uh, done pretty much. Uh, I've used charge point and uh, so that's, yeah. there's enough of those uh, around the Twin Cities. And out of town, I've only driven my Tesla and that's... Uh, 
the two supercharging actually. Yeah, I haven't used it either that way, um, but it's true. Uh, RV parks are one of the places where you can actually plug in. So if you carry your cord set with you, level two cord set with you, you can then uh, stop at the RV park to do the charging, even stay overnight there and, and do, the, do the charging there too, um, a little faster. So that is that is one good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I did find that uh, many of the cabins have electric uh, uh, clothes dryers. And uh, but the trouble is you need a really long extra 1450 <laughs> extension cord, which makes it really inexpensive and a bulky proposition, which is why I prefer to plug it into the regular 110 outlet with the extension cord when I'm in a cabin. Excellent. So I think I want to tackle one more thing about charging. So Raj, would you like to talk about charging a non-Tesla at a Tesla charging station? From as far as I know, that's not possible. Okay. Does anyone else have any comments about if you can do that? They got the, um, you know, the Hilton's got the destination charger, which isn't a supercharger and you can buy an adapter, um, on Amazon or eBay, then you can oh, use. Yeah, that's probably what somebody was wondering. Perfect. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, tax credits. So, the federal tax credit for EV charging stations is it going away at the end of this year? You guys, Present, you know? yeah. Presently, how the, how the law is, it looks like it's it's going to end at this year. At the same time, it has been extended many years, so we don't know what will happen uh, with it in the future but how it's written right now it's it's going to be ending at the end of end of this year we'll okay. see and that was a question from nicole uh tony says 30 percent of up to is it 10,300 max or 1,000 rebate at 30 percent uh-oh i don't know if so, i framed that correctly well that's fine i i think i can i know what the question here oh, good. is about. okay so it's 30 percent of your uh, installation and the equipment cost, and so it's thirty percent of that up to thousand dollars. So you can you can get up to thousand dollars. So if you install a unit that is uh, your installation costs are four thousand dollars, then you can make sure then you can for sure get thousand dollars back in a tax taxes. So, but if you just in, if your installation and unit cost are only thousand dollars, then you can get just three hundred dollars from it. So that's the thing. And for the commercial buildings, it's up to $30,000. So I hope that that answered the question correctly. Excellent. And Good. also, if you if you have co-op for your electric utility, remember, they they, uh, they offset some of your installation costs. I got $500 from Dakota Electric to put my charging in. And I put in three circuits, and it still cost me just a little bit out of pocket. Yeah. So again, talk with your utility company. That's definitely yep. a good, good uh, choice always. <clears throat> Excellent. So uh, I think that's my questions for uh, rebates. So let's talk about range again. So Chris says, I drive 80 to 120 miles daily in the winter with no access to a plug-in at work. Is an EV realistic uh, being outside 13 hours a day in the winter and with that type of mileage? Kyle, we want to hear from you. Well, uh, you know, it really depends what model you get. If you bought the new Cybertruck, uh, that is, you'd go there twice. <laughs> um, so I think another person wanted to dip into the cold winter driving. All of us EV owners, doesn't matter if it goes 27 miles 
or 500 miles. I guesstimate, Yuka, you probably know the real number, uh, and it really depends how hot you want your cabin, but heat is the largest stealer of electricity on all EVs. Air conditioning is not. It is, um, uses some, but nothing to even think about. But I think in my own guesstimation, you lose 30%, 25 to 30% of your range. So my Bolt, which was getting 250 in the summer, was about one, really depends how cold it is and how warm you want to be, but on average about 170, 160 sometimes. And when it was about 30 below, I do remember it was 150 for range. So you would have to find a model like the P100D Model S Ludicrous that you could actually make it there and back with your heater on high. Um, so that would be the only issue or a bolt was something that would burn gas on the way back. Yeah, it's, it's two options. If you if you can can purchase a bigger battery EV, um, that's a, that's a one option. Or then get a plug-in hybrid uh, that still gets better gas mileage, and you get um, some miles, especially in the winter time, uh, you can get quite a bit of miles with with EV. But uh, um, as as Kyle said, the Cybertruck has, has a good example of longer range. They just announced the new Plaid. Uh, Model S2 that has over 500, 520, I think they said. Uh, so that's that's just coming out next year, and their present Model S long range base model model long range already has over four hundred miles of range. So that should be fine. And and um, bigger your battery is less impact the heating has on it because you're still using the same number of kilowatt hours for the heating. Uh, but if you have a small battery like older Nissan Leaf that has 24 kilowatt hour battery pack, then you're using quite a big, bigger portion of that battery capacity for heating. Whereas if you have a 75 kilowatt hour battery in some of the new new cars like a Tesla Model 3 or Model S, for that one, uh, it's it might be just just 15, 20% of, of the impact compared to the 40 to 50 with the smaller battery. So. That's, of course, getting getting less of an issue with a bigger battery. Well, we are three minutes, I think, over our end time. But I would invite folks, our panelists, who have an extra 10 minutes to stay on, no pressure, and also our attendees who are still in the room, stick around. But people, please feel free to sign off if you need to. I think uh, those of us who can stick around will talk for oh, about 10 more minutes, because I think there's some really important questions still in the chat here. Um, and this is one I think for you, Yuka. Um, so I'm gonna kind of roll two together. So Clara says she can't wait to someday get an EV, um, but she's looking for some insight on the environmental justice issues surrounding lithium ion batteries and the mining involved. How recyclable are lithium ion batteries? And then I think this kind of dovetails as well with Raisa's question, what is the expected life of an EV battery? Because I know they have multiple lives potentially. So. Yuka, this seems like a really easy one. Would you like to take it? I will start with the, first, uh, the second part of that question, which is about longevity of the, of the batteries. And um, it looks like right now that we can, we can see that you can drive these cars for 300 to 400,000 miles, many of the newer ones, um, second generation and the newer ones. Kyle's example is very good example there. He has over 120,000 miles um, on his uh, Chevy Bolt already, and he has lost 10% of his range so far. 
So you can do the math. Um, if you if he drives um, another two hundred thousand miles, maybe he has lost then thirty percent of his battery capacity at that point. So if you put three hundred thousand miles on your car and you have a seventy percent of the capacity left, so maybe you're like at that point. Well, maybe I'll need a uh, new battery or new car. That if you drive that much, you definitely look for a long, longer range car. So then um, if the battery has AIDS and it it's, uh, has maybe 70% of, the, of its left, that battery is still really valuable to be used as a storage battery at home storage system. So there are already systems like BMW provides a system where they, you can take an old BMW i3 battery, just bolt it to your garage uh, wall, connect it into an inverter, and it's a home storage battery. So if it lasts in normal use for 10 to 15 years, you might get another 15 years on that usage. So you might be using that battery for 30 years before it needs to be recycled. So right now there's very little car batteries that are available for recycling, but they can be recycled. There's no, no uh, problem with that. Uh, and there's a lot of programs right now concentrating on, on developing the recycling methods so that we get a higher yield from that, that those materials that can be reused then um, in, in processes. And our biggest challenge right now are these cell phones and laptop batteries and others that are not recycled much. Challenge is that we can't use these. We can't just take the battery and string them together and make home storage system. They, they, they can't be used in that way. Um, so they don't have the same kind of value as EV batteries do have. But we need to figure out the best ways to recycle these, collect these, recycle these. And when we get good programs for that, then EV battery recycling in the future is not an issue. Um, for battery uh, production, mining, and other things, I think that one of the biggest uh, items that have been raised there is a cobalt and, and how that's been uh, mined. And it's true that the good number of that comes come from Republic of Congo and they're about 10% of the estimate of that uh, material has been uh, mined with artisanal mining. So people are poor in that country and they're trying to figure out ways to make money. One of the ways that they can do is that they just start their own illegal mines to mine the stuff. And, and that's of course not a very good thing. Uh, but uh, other manufacturers, are, and battery manufacturers are right now doing a programs where they start to make sure that where, where their um, materials are coming from, that they are certified. So that's a one good thing. And many of the manufacturers are actually moving away from cobalt altogether in their battery production. If you have two and a half hours extra time in your life, uh, Google Tesla battery day, which was last week, it's a really cool technology look into what's gonna happen with battery technology, especially in the future. So they are, they are showing how they are improving these systems and how they are making it better. Um, it's, it's well worth watching. So just check that out. Excellent, thank you. And, and Marcus backs you up in the chat. He says it was phenomenal. Uh, okay, go. so Lydia has a question. What are the maintenance costs of a full electric versus a gas or plug-in hybrid? And I know that has a lot to do with internal combustion versus not. Uh, so someone who has both, I think. Yes, Polly, please. 
Uh, well, I can talk about the full electric and hopefully one of the other panelists can talk about the hybrid model. With the full electric, um, an earlier question was about um, the cost to operate. I looked at my Excel energy bill back in May and calculated that it was costing me about seven cents a mile to drive my Nissan Leaf. And um, the average American internal combustion engine cost for gas only is about 15 cents a mile. Um, for, for maintenance, there really isn't any maintenance. When I bought mine at the dealership, they said, you know, you don't, there isn't a schedule for bringing it in. If it'll make you feel better, you can bring it in. And so I did. I brought it in at about the one-year mark and they inspected everything and just checked for safety. Really, um, they changed the cabin filter. Um, I have the, the, the tires rotated, make sure they're properly inflated. That's crucial to overall handling and efficiencies and then having um, the brakes inspected. So the maintenance is, is really negligible. Um, owning an electric car is really economical. If you're able to partake in either renting one or sharing one or buying a used one, um, the economies of all electric are, are phenomenal. Um, can somebody else talk about the hybrid version and what those operating um, maintenance costs are? Aaron? Well, I can, um, having owned two Priuses, I can speak to that, but I've only owned the Ionic for uh, about 10 months now. Um, and generally, I, I think that your maintenance uh, costs for a conventional vehicle are heavily related to the quality of the vehicle and how well you actually maintain it. Um, in my experience, the, the cost that I've borne for uh, the the Priuses has been mostly oil changes every ten thousand miles. So think you know five hundred dollars every hundred thousand miles, and then maybe another five hundred to thousand miles for changing changing various fluids um, and and things like that. So I think <laughs> the, the the more gas your uh, your car guzzles is probably you know the more maintenance it requires because I don't think that my brother who drives a uh, conventional pickup truck for work. Uh, he, I think he spends a lot more on maintenance, but um, yeah. So the the hybrids are pretty low, but you know things like oil changes you just don't have to do with EVs. Great, thank you. So we've got four minutes till eight o'clock, and I see four questions in the Q and A. So I want to give each of these questions one minute, and then we'll be done. But first, I want to plug the Facebook group that I think all of our panelists are members of, because. That is where this conversation continues every single day. So Yuka, will you share the name of that Facebook group uh, one more time? M and EV owners. Perfect. All right. And when you guys are answering the questions that I'm coming up with, I'll drop it in the chat to make sure people join the Facebook group. And that way, when you wake up at 3 a.m. with a burning question, you can just go there uh, instead of calling Yuka. So uh, all right. Lydia is asking if anyone has had problems shifting from park to drive in their Bolt. Is it just something you get used to? That would be Kyle, who if you have had any problems, have you ever had any problems with shifting to she must have a 2020 <laughs> uh no no i haven't um i've heard i'm in the uh, bolt facebook group and sometimes you just want to turn it off because it's the same question asked over and over 
uh, you might want to bring that to a dealer, but no, you push the little button in and pull back. And I, I've never had an issue with anything like that. Okay. All right. Um, so, and I think you, you kind of addressed this question from Sally, how long do EV batteries last? So how you use them uh, and then, you know, their lives continue after they are yeah. a battery in an EV, but do you want to like on their surface, how long do they last in your car? Do you want to talk about well, that? I would say, I would say 10 to 15 years um, easily with more, most of the cars, depending of course, how many miles do you drive? But uh, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an issue with especially with the present cars. Again, first generation is a little bit iffy because it's a first generation um, technology, all of it. But now uh, newer ones, no issues with the longevity. Yeah, and I think I think there's a Tesla out there with over a million miles on their battery pack. You'd have to Google it, or I saw it was at 800 about a year ago, and I was like, wow. I don't think he has the range, but he's. He's, uh, they're still running it. <laughs> yeah, and my, uh, I just time and say my t or 2012 Leaf, uh, when we bought it, it was full capacity, like all 12 of the bars, and we lost, just lost a bar, um, like a few months ago. But I mean, in, re but re also remembering that it's a 2012. So we were pretty thrilled with that, <laughs> that to have that full capacity and, and just now be down a bar. Eight years yeah, ago. so mm -hmm. even even eight years old, mm -hmm. and you've just just dropped. I mean, you you still have over eighty five percent of the uh, battery capacity there. Right. right. Yeah. Great. So Ben has a question about overnight parking. How dependable is the charging, and what are you recommended to have? So I don't uh, actually, Erin, do you charge outside? Um, no, I charge in oh, a yeah. garage yeah. and um, I use the the level one charger that came with my car. And one of the things that my my car can do, and I assume most EVs do this, is I can set it to either lock the charger into my car while the car is locked or lock the charger into my car while it is charging. So in my case, I have it locked into my car while it's locked. So there's no possibility of anybody stealing my charger. Um, if you are using a charger at, uh, say, the airport, um, you would want to you know, leave your, you know, leave it uh, not locked so that somebody else can can take it once your car's done. And I think that most EVs offer some sort of thing like that. Is, is that correct, Yuko? They usually do. Yes. Uh, outside outside charging is not an issue in that way. You can do it in in or out. Not not the, not the problem with that. As I said, I've charged my car for three years outside. No issues with anything. Excellent. And then I think I saved the most fun question for last. Polly, there are questions about the design of your overhead charging track. So I don't know uh, if you uh, designed it yourself or had someone put it in, but people are wondering uh, how they can replicate it at home. So maybe that's something that you'd be up for sharing oh. on the Minnesota EV owners Facebook group, or if it's really quick, you could maybe give us some tips here. I can do both. It's just an overhead rollerball track and I'll I'll post some pictures on the EV owners page on it. It's super easy. It was nothing fancy. Well, it looks pretty cool. Uh, and with that, we are 15 minutes over time and a minute after eight o'clock. It smells like my husband finished making me banana bread. So I think we are going to call it a night. Okay. Thank you everyone for being here. I appreciate everyone hanging on the line with us for this extra time. And again, go to that Facebook group. The conversation is going 24 seven and I think it's really fun. So, all right, Yuka, any parting words? 
that would be all. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This all is right. great. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks Have a everyone. good night. Bye. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the audio recording of our webinar. You can stay up to date on Fresh Energy's work via our blog at fresh-energy.org or follow us on social media. In the meantime, thank you everyone for listening and subscribing to our podcast. You can support Fresh Energy's work by attending our virtual benefit breakfast on October 22nd. Learn more and register online at fresh-energy.org slash benefit breakfast. Thank you for listening.